0: My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor, I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds, I keep covering up the sun. On this episode of Just a Mom, I am thrilled to be joined by a longtime friend, Trevor. Trevor, thank you so much for being with me today.
1: Yes, honored to, uh, to have the opportunity to kind of share not only my story, but hopefully benefit other people with um, the experiences I've been through and Um, really maybe even shed a little bit of light that um, the experiences people have and the journey we all have is different for everybody. But yet, uh, again, my goal is, uh, as I kind of share my experiences, both uh, I was an educator for 17 years, a principal for six years. And and through that, I've had a lot of um, wonderful experiences, but also some challenges that uh, for many, many years I was not willing to talk about. Uh, But I'm now getting to the point that I need to, I have to i have to be willing to talk about. So, which that's, is that's great <laughs> because that's
0: why that's why the Just a Mom podcast exists. And it was it was great when i got your text a few weeks ago. So i've known Trevor for probably I don't know, 12, 13 years, uh, maybe more if I think about the math, but, um, (laughs) and I'll let him kind of talk about that. But, um, he reached out to me after listening to some episodes and and shared a little bit and we got together and I didn't even think at the time when we got together that I was going to ask you to do an episode. But then after hearing more of your journey, I thought this is something that we need to share. And I continue to sort of expand the, uh, the scope of what just a mom is, um, because there's so many different needs and so many different, uh, stories that need to be told and shared that can help people. And and yours is for sure. One of those. So if you wouldn't mind just kind of telling us a little bit about yourself and your family.
1: Well, um, my name is Trevor. I grew up in rural Nebraska, went to college in Arkansas, and uh, moved back up to Kansas City to start my teaching career. I spent um, uh, 11 years, 11 years in the classroom. Um, During that time, had the wonderful pleasure of teaching two of the three girly children. Started with young Jeff in my seventh grade classroom, and I'll never forget, uh, I think he might have even had a suit and tie on. Uh, that day that he oh, came to class, funny. Um, but an absolute joy, and so <laughs> I had really, truly the the girly family, and I, I know I'm not just going to talk about uh, about you guys and your kids, but um, you guys are actually what kept me in education mm-hmm. a long time. Um, Because I had great experiences uh, as a family working with Jeff and Olivia and had the opportunity to teach both of them to drive (laughs) uh, back when I was a driver's ed instructor. And so I taught both Jeff and Olivia how to drive. And I got to know Will a little bit, but uh, not as much as the other two. And so, so many good experiences uh, with your kids and with your family. And You guys have always been so supportive uh, and hospitable to education and educators. And so uh, even going back to the work with FCA, Mm. I was the FCA sponsor at uh, the middle school for nine years, give or take. Mm -hmm. And so through that, got to know um, kind of the work you did with FCA. And, um, you know, it's interesting during that time, um, kind of jump back and forth. I never would have dreamed I'd be in the place I am now, Mm. um, both professionally and um, personally and emotionally. Uh, I never would have thought I'd be a person that would have... Uh, mental health struggles. Mm. I always, for the longest time, looked at that as something that it'll never be me. I'll, I'll never be someone that has uh, emotional challenge. That's for mm. that's for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, education as, as a whole is an incredible profession, but a very challenging profession. Um, there's a lot of rewarding aspects to it. And I loved being in the classroom. I loved teaching, coaching. I was a, uh, a middle school football coach, track coach, high school wrestling coach, did all of that. Um, and then I, I kind of felt the urge to go into administration. So uh, I made a, a jump and I was a middle school principal for six years. And this past June, I stepped away from that and into a new opportunity to uh, serve kids and schools. And so uh, now I work in the eSports industry, so competitive video gaming, and with that, I uh, help schools implement eSports curriculums as well as establish eSports teams. So, uh, that has been a huge change for me. In a lot of ways, it's educational sales. Um, but at the same time, I'm still working with educators every single day to help them meet the needs of kids. Um, so that that's kind of the quick version. I'll, I'll definitely go into more depth with it. But um, yeah, that's where I was, educator for 17 years. I still consider myself an mm-hmm. educator very much, um, but now I do it through um, through video games. And through helping kids find purpose and meaning through video games.
0: So. so you're still helping kids, which is what you've always been so great at. Still and helping I kids. Can personally attest to that based on my own kids. Yeah. Uh, you were always one of their very favorite teachers. So and a good, good teacher. Oh, those and are
1: some good days. Teaching's incredible. Like I, I truly look back on my, my ten plus years in the classroom and say those were amazing days. Teaching is it's just there's nothing quite like the relationships you build with kids and the opportunity to see them grow and see them blossom and just see that excitement they have for learning. And I'll, I I still think of those as, as, as some of my, my most favorite days were being a teacher. And you were
0: a middle school teacher. Middle school teacher.
1: Wow. Middle school teacher. I,
0: I, which I can't even imagine personally, but you were so good at it. Well, I, and... I
1: appreciate that. And now that I have a middle schooler, so mm. kind of my family, been married for... Man, almost 20 years now. Wow. almost 20 years. So uh, we have our own. My oldest of three is a middle schooler now, so now I'm getting experience it from yep. from the other side. Uh, that is Luke. We have a middle child will who is uh, just turned 10 actually, just turned 10 in fourth grade and our little Jane, who is our, our little fireball and she is she is eight. Yeah, she's eight and wow. in first grade. So um, busy household. Uh, my wife, Stephanie, is just absolutely incredible and does so much for us. Um, she's a CPA by trade and right now is doing a little bit of CPA work and a little bit of just keeping our house moving in a good, godly direction. So
0: Keeping all the balls in the keep, air.
1: Keeping the balls in the air. That's very much it.
0: Well, Awesome. Tell us just a little bit about um, that jump from being in the classroom and moving into administration.
1: Yeah, so it's—my my ultimate goal— was to be helpful to more teachers. I really felt like um, good administrators have the opportunity to change the entire school culture and school community. When done well, an administrator is able to empower their teachers to be their best, help them feel supported, help the teachers feel cared for, and really also be an, uh, an advocate for parents. Um, I found myself as a principal coaching parents as much as I was coaching teachers. Um, especially the time I was doing it through a lot of our major social media changes. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of parents would come and say, let's tell me how to help my child through this social media aspect, how to help my child adapt to these new and emerging technologies. And so I really had an opportunity to help parents as much as anything. And that's something I absolutely loved about it. Something I did not anticipate about administration was the significant amount of, um, emotional support you would be providing for people. Um, you kind of glamorize, yeah, I'll be helpful, but you don't realize that you take on now every single student's emotional, um, I hate the word baggage, but e- emotional life, Ooh. but then also all of your your staff. And you take on every single one of your staff's personal lives. And then also parents on top of that. And so if you are an adult or an administrator who... Um, I don't know if I want to use the word like because feels isn't the right word, but someone who really like embraces and gets involved in people's lives, which a lot of administrators do. You get to know people at a, a very personal level. Uh, and so when they talk about the word secondhand trauma, um, that is very much something that, that I experience as an administrator because you get so invested in people's lives, so invested in kids' lives, so invested in teachers' lives and then parents that you spend a lot of time with these people. Um, but that's something I loved. That's something initially that I was really, really excited about because I felt like I was helping. I felt like I was benefiting people. Um, what I didn't realize along the way was, was how much that is to then take on as an individual and, um, a little bit of the toll that that slowly wears on a person as they get into those roles. And so, um, that, that might be in some ways kind of where the start of my, my challenges came as I started to take on more and more of other people's experiences as a, as an administrator, um, that I started experiencing some, some pretty significant, um, you could say kind of bouts of depression that started to happen. Um, but of course you can't talk about that as the principal <laughs> because you're, you're the one that's got to have it all together mm. as a principal. You're the one that's got to look like they got it all figured out. Mm. Um, and you get really good at that. You get really, really good at that, at, uh, putting on a really good, really good show. Uh, but deep down inside, you know, you're just absolutely drowning. Um, and that was going on for a little while.
0: That must be an incredible burden to feel the weight of every single person in your building, yeah. um, whatever it is that they're going through, because most everybody at some point is going through something. Yep.
1: Yep, so you never life. get a break. Yeah.
0: And how many students were in your building?
1: You know, I, I went from my first few years, we had 750. Um, wow. And then we, we split buildings. And so um, then I had 475 kids.
0: That, that's a lot of upwards kids. Upwards of 70
1: staff members. So Wow.
0: So that's yep. a lot of folks. A
1: lot of people. A lot of people.
0: And was this something that you, I mean, you said like, oh, I couldn't talk about that because I'm the one who had it all together. How did that feel to you, though? Were you noticing changes inside?
1: So I remember. So when my wife got pregnant with our first child, she experienced some some pretty significant. Um, I believe the word is actually peripartum depression, mm-hmm. so pre pre baby depression um, and anxiety associated with that. So I, that that's when I really started to become kind of familiar with just anxiety and depression and medication because before that i didn't know anybody that was on anything i thought that's just something out there and i remember thinking at the time because my wife had had mentioned when she this is when she was pregnant with her first one um so 12 years Mm -hmm. ago that um the thought crossed her mind that maybe maybe i just shouldn't be here anymore i just don't want to be here anymore and i remember thinking well that's just crazy like who would ever think that like i'll i'll never be in that Mm. part of my life um but then once there, there comes a time that once I started involving myself so much with other people's lives and where it hit me was realizing that I couldn't solve everyone else's problems. Mm-hmm. So then any problem that I couldn't solve felt like I, I probably just shouldn't even try to solve anybody's. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, was, it got to the point for me that no matter how good things were going or how many good things were happening, any little thing would make you go well just forget it all like clearly you can't do your job because if anybody's not doing well it's a reflection of you and it's your fault which is ridiculous Mm. absolutely ridiculous um i know that now um but i have to openly talk about it now to know that now because when i was in the the depths and to say it was slowly coming would be would be true because there was a time i was sitting in my counselor's office and um she was saying trevor you, you don't you don't seem like yourself. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just not, not feeling good. And I'm just kind of, kind of frustrating, kind of down. And she was like, you're doing this, you're doing this. So I was doing all the natural things you could do. I was, I was running more and I was um, trying to do service activities. And she's like, there comes a time that something in your brain has switched and you need to consider getting professional help. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And that was, five years ago. So that would have been five years ago. Right. Second or
0: third year. It was my second year.
1: My second full year as a principal. And my counselor was like, I think you need to like, (laughs) this this is more than you can handle or just kind of Mm
0: -hmm. push
1: away. And at the time I was like, no, I'm fine. I'll I'll get through this. I'll get through this. Um, But it never really did. It never really went away. And things really only kind of escalated for me. But at the same time, that's going on inside. Outside, you're you're trying to advance your career. You're trying to take care of your family. You're trying to take care of your school and your building, and so you're trying to keep up that things are doing great. But every time things would improve, the professionally inside, there's a little part of you that's slowly like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. Like I can't keep putting up this this show that things mm-hmm. are going well. But now I'm so deep that I can't even talk about it. Like I don't even want to acknowledge that this is more that I can handle, or this is a struggle. Um, so I'll, I'll never forget the day, the day that I was on the way to work and i just gotten an email from a parent that was upset about X, Y, and Z, something, something silly that really wasn't even a big deal. And I'd already been having some, and I don't think I would've acknowledged it as depression, but looking back, it was definitely, it was definitely depression. Um, but the thought entered my mind of, you know what? I think most people would probably be happier if I wasn't around. Mm. And I can remember looking at a tree thinking, I just need to drive into that and Mm. just be done because everyone will be so much happier if I'm not around. And I can, I can vividly remember thinking this is just the right way to go. Like this is the way to go because I won't have to worry about disappointing people. I won't have to worry about letting others down. I won't have to worry about feeling this way anymore. And I don't want to keep feeling this way. But got to work that day, finished the day, and I can remember getting home thinking, okay, we we did one more. We'll just we'll just keep going. We'll just keep going one day at a time. And it was around that time that I started considering I probably need to get on some some medication. Like I need to, to regulate a little bit of what's going on. And so I started seeing a counselor, seeing a therapist, and that helped significantly. Um, But that was early on. So things continued to evolve as all journeys do.
0: Let's go back to that day in the car when you were having those thoughts um, and watching you talk about that and seeing your face, the, the pain of remembering that Um, I can see it in your face. One thing that I have learned about suicidal ideation and significant depression is what you just said. People who are experiencing those things think that everyone will be better off without them. Was that the first time you felt that? Was that a kind of constant in the back of your head?
1: It, It was a growing... It was a growing thought because that was, that was not the first time. It was the first time I, I, I saw an option. It was the first time I saw something I could do about it. And I thought, there's actually something I could do about this. Mm. Like, there is, there is a way to, to solve this problem. Like, I thought it was a problem that I could solve by not being around anymore. Mm. And, and it really happened on, on, on two occasions. I can think of very two clear occasions where that happened, both about a year apart, um, which is why I say it's been an ongoing journey. Mm-hmm. And I would sure. even say even to this day, I mean, as of as of a month ago, I, I can still say there's still that. I, I call it a darkness that just kind of creeps in mm-hmm. and I never would have dreamed that darkness would creep in. Um, but. Had it been there before, not in the way that it was. It was. It was like it, it was like a, this door had opened up and like, well, there's your, there's mm-hmm. your solution right there, Trevor. There's mm. your solution. Your solution is to drive into that tree, mm. and then all of this goes away mm. because it's not getting any better. It's been however long of this constant, prevalent thought. You can't seem to keep up. You're not. You're not doing enough. And again, it didn't matter how many. Mm-hmm. I, I I won a National Principal of the Year Award. Mm-hmm. A national on the cover of magazine of one of the best principals in the country. But yet I couldn't seem to not think you pretty well suck at life. Mm. Which is like you look at it on the outside, you're like, well, that's just ridiculous. How how could you ever feel that way? But any little disappointment would make me go well, there's an example of why you shouldn't mm-hmm. or why you just need to be done. Um, so yes, it, it it had been growing in there. I think that was the first time that I finally put, put an end, put an option in place for how to, how to wrap mm-hmm. things up. And I truly believed on, on the two occasions that I, that I, I think of as where I was the closest, I truly believed it would make things better. Like, mm-hmm. No doubt about it, things would be better if I follow through with this. Like, it's not getting better. This is the only way.
0: Mm.
1: And again, I, I go back to when my wife had said that 12 years ago. I thought, no one's, I would never feel that way. Mm-hmm. I will never feel that way. I am lockstep and good. But there I was. And, and even again, still to this day, I have to fight those. I just know now how to how to process through it differently than I did before. Um mm. But yeah, I uh I I don't I don't yeah, it's it's not something I thought I would deal with or experience sure. by any stretch.
0: When you got home that night, was there any part of you that, you know, that looked at your wife and kids and said, "Oh gosh, what was I thinking?" Or now I I'm, I'm still pretty much feeling like that.
1: I w- I would love to say that going home made me go, "Oh, this is all worth it." Like I need to stay for this, but it's almost like it doesn't matter when you're in that place. I found when your mind is so skewed, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It does not matter. Um, You could have the greatest meal in the world, the greatest time with your family, whatever, like wouldn't matter. Wouldn't matter. So convinced that things will be better if I'm not around. Um, Yeah just convinced that that's the only way the only way.
0: And I really appreciate you sharing that because I think it's often extremely difficult for people who have never felt like that to understand. And even referring to your 12 year ago self, where you said, well, I can't even imagine that. And then experiencing those types of feelings, um, I think that that is a very helpful perspective, and as painful as it is to see you kind of relive that, I, I know that somebody's going to hear that, and it's going to it's going to help them understand it. And Will, our Will said the same types of things that you said. Like, I didn't want to die, but I just wanted to a end this pain, yeah, yeah, and b just you know I wasn't even thinking and that people would be upset I just thought everybody would be better off yeah. without me and I think that that's just a tiny little look into you know what happens when that depression kicks in and I, I I'm not a doctor I'm not yeah. a therapist I'm just a mom but with you know whatever it is that's not working properly in the brain and that's those are the types of thoughts yeah that people are dealing with. Well,
1: it, you you don't want to acknowledge it that it's there, but I definitely have found that when I do acknowledge that I'm in that in that space, and now that I'm being more willing to to talk about it, has definitely allowed me to process through it. Because logically, logically, you're like, well, this is ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. no one would be better off if I'm gone. Like, right. I have. I have three awesome kids. I have a wonderful wife. Like it would be, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be horrible. Mm-hmm. Like the traumatic event, the, the, the impact on my kids for years to come, but in the moment, none of that matters. Right. None of that mattered. And, and the, the other time and, and, I had, it was, it was the stupidest thing. Like we were going out to dinner as a family. And, and I think this is where like guys are irrational and they just do stupid, irrational things. But that's, I think that's how it happens. I had we were on the way to dinner, and I was I got home late because something had gone late at, at at work, and so I was frustrated about that, and I'd gone to get a haircut, and that took long, and so I got home, and I was everyone was like at the door ready to go, and I, we were in the car, and I, I I can still vividly remember being at a at 135th and Merlin, and or Santa Fe and Merlin, and my wife was upset and the kids were loud and it had that, that thought came back of that. now is the time just to be done. And so I tried to open the door and I was just like, you know what? There's cars coming. I'm just going to step out, just going to step out. But I couldn't open the door. It was locked, which I don't know why the door It usually you could open it, but it was locked and I couldn't get out. I kept trying to like get out because I was so convinced that, I've disappointed my family because I'm home late again. I disappointed someone at work. I was late doing this. Let's. And this was about a year after the first time. Um, I was like, I'm just, this is, this is, let's just, let's just be done. And here's how I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to step out and, but I couldn't open the door. And my wife was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you walking home? And, and I just, I didn't say anything at the time, but going back and talking to her, she's like, you really would have just stepped down to traffic. I'm like, i just wanted to be done i didn't even i didn't care that my kids were going to watch it happen i was in such a a bad place inside and at that time i wasn't talking about it at all like i was not formally acknowledging how far like i i I would get better and feel good and then you kind of drift back down on these moments these these low points again um but I'll never forget trying to get out of the car. And my wife kind of laughed and be like, Oh, what are you doing there? And in the back of mine, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to die. It's what I'm trying to do. Cause mm. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. Um, that that's been the last time that I've gotten close. And that's been a couple of years. Um, but it hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped the, that darkness from creeping back in. Sure. Um, but things are significantly better now than they were before. And I think a lot of it's just because of realizing where I was and making changes in my life that needed to happen.
0: So this was two years ago and your wife had no idea at, at what point
1: she, she didn't know how bad it was. Okay. Yeah, she knew she I was unhappy. Okay, She knew I was unhappy. And, um, but she didn't know where I was, how, how bad I really was it, it, it in her mind. It was, uh, you just kind of unhappy because, the job's hard or things are difficult, but not that I was at the, the depths I was at. Yeah.
0: When did you tell her Oof. the truth?
1: Um, about how bad things really were? Right. Yes. So, I mean, that's just in the last six months, mm. just in the last six months that I've been, been very, very honest about it with her. Um, And part of it was, um, so my best friend, uh, back in March of this last year killed himself and that even then there was a time, and this is when it all came out with my wife and I was when I made a comment about he did it like he followed through and there's a little bit of me that was still having some of those moments that still does have those moments that are like he's free. Mm. He's free. And I'm still here. Mm. And that was March of of 2022. Um I would say overall I'd been doing a lot better. But it didn't take away from the challenges of of the job and the emotional turmoil and it had, like it all brought it just screeching back because our relationship had been one that had been built upon encouraging each other and bringing Mm -hmm. each other out of the depths. And he had helped me because he knew a lot more about the stuff that my wife did. Like he was kind (laughs) of my, my go-to guy. Like Mm -hmm. we'd sit together and we'd have cigars together. If I can say that on this podcast. And like, we, we just like, he's who I'd sit in the garage with and we talk about life and we just got done having these conversations. And I just got done telling him, man, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I think I'm burning out. Like, I think, I think I'm burning out for my job and I need to do something different. And he's like, oh, you're, you're good. Just keep doing it. You're doing all these great things for kids and like all this stuff. And and I thought he was in a pretty good place. I thought he was in a pretty good place. And then just a couple days later, and it just, I think that, that is kind of what, what, What broke me again Mm -hmm. to say, I need to, I need to really open up to my wife about where I'm at because now I'm back in those same places I was previously. Like I just started to really kind of get a grips of where things are at with myself. Um, But then when, when, when what happened with my friend, it, it, it kind of almost kind of derailed things again. Sure. Um, But this time I was more to the point that I could even talk about it even more bluntly with my wife and some friends.
0: Were you in therapy and taking medication at that point? I was taking
1: medication, but, but I had not started therapy. I did after that. Okay. Um, so we, we had a gentleman that would come to our school, actually, that would do work with kids. And I got to know him just because he would come and say, hey, like, what kids do I need to go see? And I talked to this person he came in. <laughs> so that, that it, it happened. My friend was on a Friday morning. And um, went through the weekend, and on Monday, on Monday afternoon is when I I, I left a little bit early from work that day, um, and there's some things that happened at work that day that just also made me go. I need to do something different with my with my career because the demands, the demands of what I'm expected to do. And almost kind of put my own person on the shelf i was being asked to do that again i just experienced this horrible traumatic event with my friend but yet i still had to i still had to be a principal and the reality was i couldn't i wasn't i wasn't given the opportunity to to go be a human being Ooh. and not be a principal if that makes sense sure. and, and and there were some specific things that happened but that that's the, the, the easiest way for me to say it, that mm-hmm. I, had, I had to put my my what had happened to me on the shelf and, and go be a principal. And that that I think was kind of the, the tipping point for me of I, I can't keep doing this. I cannot keep being a principal if I'm never allowed to be a person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I can't I can't experience and and <laughs> and go through the what I need to go through the to mourn the, the, the day that I, I decide to take off. Just to mourn the loss of my friend, I get multiple calls that I have to address with school related things that really did not need to be dealt with, that someone else should have dealt with. And those people knew what I was going through. And I get I get it that you, you you're you have a school, you have to run and manage things, but at the same time, if we're not willing to allow people to, to be people, um, we're gonna continue to 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 hemorrhage um leaders and educators um because the things that the educators are experiencing now are being asked to take on now i think are so much greater than the ever were when i first got into the profession when i got into the profession 17 years ago um you were not inundated with the emotional lives of kids the way you are now and the what you can see and access and what what your your Involvement with now, and part of it is because kids are coming to teachers even more now than they were before. Um, a little little Jeff Gurley wasn't coming to me to spill his heart out because he had a mom and dad that he was doing that with, or he had other people he was doing that with. Now a lot of our kids they, they don't they may not have that at home, and so mm-hmm. it's the the school that's taking that part on. Um, which well,
0: I, and even to your point though, Will Gurley did go to his school he, he counselor. Did. Yes. So even though we were. You know, tuned in (laughs) tuned in or so we thought I
1: I think about that with you guys. So
0: I think that is not an unusual thing for a kid to if a kid's going to ask for help to go to a teacher or a counselor or a principal first.
1: And it's not a bad thing. I I don't want to say it's not a bad thing because it's a good thing for people to go to their educators. The the thing that we're we're just not doing yet in education is is truly like providing professional resources for the educators to know how to process and deal with that.
0: Well, that's what I was just thinking. So Olivia, our daughter, just finished college in May, and she's a teacher. Yep, yep. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I need. I I need to ask her this. Like, did you talk about social and emotional health of your children and what you know your students and what happens when they come to you? I mean, how about you when you were in college and learning? Definitely all not this when stuff? I was in college. So
1: I mean, that that's all. So three three years ago, three years ago, we had. We had six students that um, over the course of about two weeks, um, to one degree or another, there was, the, they, um, I think how to, not say too much, but had suicidal kind of ideations and pathways mm-hmm. such that I was involved in, in deeply with every single one of those, mm. like six of them over the course of a couple of weeks. Um, And right after that, we brought in a a local organization, and I've been very impressed with the the groups we've worked with in Kansas City. There's been some wonderful people that we've worked with. We even did uh, some mental health-specific seminars at our school just to address that, to help parents with it. And we even brought in a gentleman to to work, excuse me, with our staff uh, on on a mental health first aid is what it was
0: called, Mm -hmm.
1: which was awesome. But. That was an unheard of thing. Like, no one else was doing that. No one else was bringing in that for their staff.
0: And this was how many years ago? Just
1: three years ago. Oh my ago. gosh. Just wow. three years. This okay. is not long ago. I think it was three years
0: ago. I did the mental health first aid a year and a half ago, probably. Yeah. It might mm. have been two. Wow. It might have been two. Okay. Um,
1: hmm. But it, it's not something that that is that is commonly done. I think that's when we think about things to really help support. Mm -hmm. support staff it's going to be that piece um is is getting getting the adults who are working with the kids even more training on how to manage their own well-being for sure through that you're good at managing kids i i I could i could put on a good face and manage every parent situation that came into my office every kid situation Mm -hmm. adult but then for me to have to process that that's the part that i was never good at and i truly believe that's part of what Almost over the course of a few years, started to rewire my own my own thinking, um, and rewire the way I processed my ability to handle those experiences, and thus where I still find myself today of handling things that that are going on in the world around me. Um, one of the things I started doing a couple of years ago, and, and I know you can't see it in here, but I brought I, I started journaling
0: mm-hmm. because
1: I needed something to. I needed to be able to get out my thoughts with the hopes that it would keep me from doing it again. Like I thought if I write about how miserable I am, then I won't be as miserable. Well, <laughs> not necessarily not the true, case, yeah. but um, it, it has been it has been a resource for him because even talking to people like, well, you weren't really you were doing OK, right? I'm like, actually, I, I wasn't. And here's how I know I wasn't, because just because you're in a good place now doesn't mean you won't be back <laughs> again. Yep. And, and And I do you guys talk about that with will
0: absolutely um
1: just because things are going well doesn't mean it's going to continue to be that way right um and that's also a frustrating part that's it kind is. of a that's kind of a a um a little bit of a discouraging part about all this, but that's also why I want to talk about it with people right. that's that's really a motivator for me because I feel like if i'm willing to talk about it, hopefully other people will too um I want want to believe that if my friend had been more willing to talk about it, we'd be in a different spot. Mm. Um,
0: And I look at you, and having known you for a long time, you were the cool, young, energetic, positive teacher that all the kids wanted to have. Like, you were that. Mm. And... All the kids looked up to you and wanted to be like you. And you were such a good influence and motivator to these kids, you know, as a coach and a teacher. So your willingness to open up and share this, that, you know, just because that's who you are doesn't mean that you cannot have these battles.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that, that I I can even think of, of of principal events and activities I've been a part of that I'm not afraid anymore to be really open and, and brutally honest, and the number of people, other administrators that will come and say, "Thank you for being willing to share," because I'm there too.
0: Mm.
1: It is it it's it's almost unsettling mm. how many other administrators I know are in the same place truly in the same place that say I can't keep doing this um, I could I I share more examples than I want of other people in that same place um, and my 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 hope is that through being willing to share more and talk about it more um, is going to help other people go just like you said okay if if, if you had everything, appearances look like you got it all figured out Mm -hmm. and yet you are still in that spot it it can be anybody
0: absolutely
1: and as i said before i'm not i'm not out of the i'm not out of the darkness i thought Mm -hmm. i really thought i would not be where i am now but i still have i still have that time Um, i still have those those moments and those hours where those thoughts start to creep back in it's it's like this um (laughs) it kind of made me think of and and, and as much as I love this show it it kind of messes with me Stranger Things Mm -hmm. where there's like those little vines that kind of like crawl the way into stuff Mm. that's almost kind of how the dark feelings are it's like they just slowly start to (gasps) embed themselves and plant these lies in my head of you done screwed up again Trevor like Mm -hmm. you done you done whatever it may be Mm. you might as well just
0: Mm.
1: and I I I'm pretty, I would say, deeply connected to my faith, and that I I am very confident in my faith. Um, my relationship with God, my relationship with Jesus, has gotten better the older I've gotten because it's become more real and authentic. And I know, I know what I'm supposed to believe and I'm supposed to feel. And you still can't, you still can't kick those thoughts. You still can't kick that, that that. Um, that feeling you have, which is what tells me there's something there's something going on. <laughs> like there is yes. something going on in your brain that is not allowing you to think correctly. And if you don't open up and talk about it, it's going to get so much in there that you can't get rid of it.
0: And thank you for bringing that up. I will preface this by saying this is not a Christian podcast. I will, We have people of all faiths and walks of life. Uh, on the podcast, but that part of your journey is an important one to talk about because as a Christian as well, that is something that I think we have been taught incorrectly um, in the history of the Christian church, that, yes. oh, if you're a you know, Good Christian. Christians won't
1: feel this way. Good yeah. Christians won't be suicidal. Yeah. If you pray enough, yeah, yeah. if you read you your pray Bible pray enough, yeah. right. you won't you won't be suicidal. Right. And if you do kill yourself, you're going straight to hell. There you go. Um and and I would have felt that way twelve years ago. Mm. Totally would have felt that way. Um the older I get, and the more I understand God, and the more I understand who Jesus was, and more I understand the dynamics of, of people. I I don't see it the same way anymore. I really don't. Um, I really do. I I look at what I've experienced and I saw it my wife first. Mm -hmm. And then I look at what I've experienced to go, this isn't Trevor. This is something that, this is something that is not clicking correctly in my brain. And it doesn't matter how many songs Mm -hmm, I listen to mm -hmm. on Christian radio. It doesn't matter how many pep talks I hear. It's still there. Um, and that, that, that's, that's part of the frustrating part about this whole thing, sure. too, and about this this journey that I feel like I'm now on. And, and I feel like I've heard other people say, like, it is now just something I've, I'm learning to embrace as part of, like, whether it's embracing my, my periods of depression, embracing my, uh, my periods of, and I don't know if I'd call it anxiety, um, but learning that's kind of what I got. And that's sure. something I'm just going to have to learn how to and make sure i equip myself and those around me to continue to navigate through that.
0: And to that point, you said that you are in therapy now or when when your friend died yeah, yeah, that when, caused after, after you my to... friend, i got back into it and that
1: was really good for me because um, i needed something else to someone else to talk to to kind of give perspective and kind of paint more of a a, a truth yes. <laughs> that I was able to come up with because the truth in my head was all wrong. It's <laughs> like the, mm-hmm. the things I was telling myself were all wrong. I needed someone else to be able to say, slow down, Trevor. Here's how to process through those thoughts. Here's how to, to, when you're in that place, here's what you need to do. But also you got to stay on your medication. Like don't mm. be afraid to take your meds. Don't think just cause you're good you, you should get stop. off of them. Because I you done I've that? had that thoughts. I haven't. Okay. And I haven't. I, I changed. I changed a couple of years ago and I'm glad I changed. Um, but there's a part of me that's even the last couple of months, as I've kind of gone back through some different low points, and go, maybe I need to think about think about making another change. Um,
0: and dealing with any kind of mental illness, what I have come up with with parenting will is that It is a chronic health condition, illness, that needs continual monitoring and sometimes adjustment. Yeah. And that just kind of came to me a few months ago. Like, okay, again, five and a half years into this, you would think (laughs) that I would realize that, oh, we can't just, you know, say, check, that is over and done, and he is... No, this is it, it. If it were diabetes, you would be continually yeah. monitoring your blood sugar to make sure it's where it should be, and when it would get off, you would do whatever you had Change to do. It up. Right? Yep. Um And I feel like that's where we need to get with mental health, yeah. and that we can't ever think that we're just. And
1: I, I, I even know all those things, Susie. Like sure. I, I know, I know I need to get and, and get with a therapist consistently. And it's like, even despite knowing those things, there's still that, that internal struggle because of the way people might view that. It mm. makes you go, ah, may I can, I can, I'm going to be okay. Like I'm in a good place. now. I'm going to be okay. Um, but like anything else, when you, when you, when you start to get a little, little bit arrogant with how you're handling things is when, when things seem to hit the hardest, mm. um, and that's something I'm aware of, and I need to be I need to be cognizant of that. Mm-hmm. Um, something that kind of going back, even with with what happened with my friend, and even part of what the therapist because the therapist was with me when I made a job change. I also realized I needed to make do something different with my day to day, and that was a part of I think working through some of the the really low points for me was being willing to do something different. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't plan on that happening. Um, But when it did happen, it has been a, it's been a life changer Mm. in so many ways. And, and, and I, I'm excited about what I'm doing now. Mm. um, Working in the esports world, but it was definitely a a piece that um, as I, as I interact with other educators, as other people who are, having some of the same struggles and they don't feel like they can do anything different is being willing to make a change. might be the thing that does completely change your life Mm. and not being afraid to not being afraid to take a big leap and do something different. Um, Because then at least I know I couldn't say, I haven't tried to improve. I haven't tried to do something different. It's like my wife would say, like you keep complaining about it either. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like they say poop or get off the pot. Like, (laughs) Either do something about it or don't, and And, I decided to do something about it.
0: And again, to paint a picture, you were at the pinnacle of your career. You were, you had been named Principal of the Year in the state,
1: sorry, in the country. country, National.
0: I, I mean, wow. You were going to...
1: Open a new middle school. Open
0: a new middle school. I are going to be
1: named the principal. I was, as I told my mom, I'm going to have my name on a bronze plaque. Yep. Like how many what other people get to know of. you're going to have your name. Yep. First building principal. Yep. Like.
0: 50 years from now, there would be people still walking there. in going, ah, oh, Trevor. getting ready to
1: be the, the, the president of the Kansas Principals Association. Mm. Like. Yep. Trajectory was good.
0: And you. Trajectory was good. And you knew. You had to do something different.
1: I, I I had to do something different. I knew I had to do something different.
0: Tell us how that all ended up shaking out.
1: That that is nothing short of a of a god thing. Hmm. Like I truly, I truly take it back to. The, the timing was all there for everything to come together. Um, I was actually in Washington D.C. at the awards banquet for the national principle of the year award that i was receiving and it was at a workshop uh and there's they kind of combined so they took all the state principles of the year and the national principles of the year all came together um and for this this four-day workshop in washington dc and so i'm surrounded by the the best principles mm-hmm. in the country um, and i actually i i left the workshop in the middle of the day on a tuesday because I was like, I can't keep doing this. Like here I am surrounded by the greatest principles in the country, hearing all these great ideas about how to be an even better principal, mm. And the thought crossed my mind of this is never gonna work. Like I'm never gonna be there. I'm never gonna be as good as I should be. I just, if I can't, if I can't figure it out with what I have around me, I'm clearly never gonna figure it out. I have mm. to do something different. So I went up to my hotel room and I, I read my Bible and I prayed. Um, and I had the weirdest dream in the world. It's almost embarrassing to say, but the, 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 the dream I had was I was trying to cross a bridge over a gorge, and it was made out of glass. And every time I would get part way across the bridge, one of the glass panes wouldn't be that I'd step through and I'd fall. Mm. So I continued to have this bridge that I couldn't ever cross. Mm. So I wake up from that dream. And I had called my wife earlier and said, "Hey, here's what I'm doing." Actually, I had even looked at sabbatical policies in my school district. Like I was, I was that, I was at that point of, I'm going to look at sabbatical policies. Um, and I and I, I get a text uh, from a friend who had was there at the same event, but had also started working for the esports company I now work for. So she was there because she had previously been a state principal of the year, and she too had. Stepped away from the principalship and started working for uh, the esports company. So she was at the same event I was at, and she texted me and said, Hey, we need to talk. And I'm like, Oh man, like I thought I was in trouble. I thought like <laughs> someone was looking for yeah. me and I they wasn't there. They, they saw me leave and they were <laughs> upset. And uh, so that night, we're on a cruise on the Potomac River. <laughs> and uh, it was all again, all the principals of the year, state and national the directors of the organization, which is a fantastic organization. Absolutely fantastic. They do so many good things for schools and administrators. Uh, so we're on the Potomac River looking at all the, the mm-hmm. national monuments and just just beautiful. And my friend Kristen's like, do you want to come work for, for Generation Esports? I'm like, I'm sorry, what? What, what did you just <laughs> what did you just say, Kristen? She goes, do you want to come work for Generation Esports? And and I literally, and I can still remember, I can still remember being in the chair and she was to the right of me and her asking me that question and and just tears of, mm. you got to be kidding me. Like, there's no way you just asked me that now. Like, mm. the, are you, are you messing with me? Like, cause I had just gotten done having this dream and, 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 and looking at sabbatical policies and walking out of a workshop because I don't think I can keep doing this. And not but a few hours later, mm. you're coming to say, hey, here you go. Mm. And it's like a door had been opened up. But then there's still that, well, I, I can't do that. There's I can't do that. Like I've been doing this for 17 years. Mm. I can't, I can't change careers. I can't walk away from X, Y, and Z. All these people are going mm-hmm. to be disappointed in me. And who all am I gonna let down? Mm-hmm. And what am I what are the students gonna think? What are the parents gonna mm. think? What are the teachers gonna think? But the more I I talk to her about the job, not only did I realize I'm still going to be helping kids, which I totally am helping kids every day, but to go, you know what, this this is this is the right thing to do. Um and so I, I called a couple other people that I I, I trust, that I, I trust totally and said, Hey, here's what I'm thinking about. And they're like, do it. Just mm. do it, man. Like, don't Don't look back, do it. And my greatest fear was I'm going to like sabotage my career. Like if I, if I make this Mm -hmm. change, am I going to completely burn every bridge? They're like, no, no, no. Just give people time, do it the right way. You'll, you'll be just fine. And, um, so that night I, I stayed up till two or three in the morning, working on my resume, updating everything Mm -hmm. in the hotel room. The next morning, which was a Wednesday, I submitted my application at 10 in the morning by two, I'd gotten an email to have a, a, a initial interview that night. So 5 PM that night, um, I did a phone interview with, wow. the, with the HR director. Um, that went, that went pretty well. Uh, I flew home early the next day from DC. So I was a Wednesday. I had the, 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 uh, so Tuesday's when I Tuesday applied Tuesday night. So Wednesday, um, Oh, it must have been Wednesday. It must have been Tuesday. I found out about it. Wednesday morning. Sorry, Wednesday mornings when I applied for the job. Wednesday nights when I had my first interview. I flew home on Thursday. I got I worked that afternoon. So I went to my school that afternoon. Um, that night at 5 p.m., I did a a Zoom interview with my now immediate boss. Um, had a great conversation. And I thought, I, I think this might be something I'm interested in. So a week later, I had a job offer in front of me. Um Took a pay cut, took a pretty good pay cut, um, but at, at the end of the day, it's been it's been so worth it. Um, best part about it is not only do I still get to work with kids, but um, the day I actually went in and told my superintendent, uh, I walked in, I walked in my superintendent's office because I got my my job offer, um, signed my contract virtually for the new job. I went into my superintendent's office and said, um, I, I was shaking. So I remember mm. being so nervous, I was shaking. And, uh, I started crying, um, and, uh, I, I won't say who superintendent there, but he literally got up and came and gave me a hug and was like, I am so proud of you. I'm so happy for Mm. you. And that made everything go,
0: it's going to be, okay. it's going to be okay. Mm. It's going to be
1: okay. But I remember saying, I, I just can't do it anymore. I cannot, I cannot continue to do this anymore. Um, And his comment was, not only I'm so proud, I'm so happy for you, but I'm proud of you for having the courage to do it, for having the courage to, to chase something and to go a different direction because so many people don't Mm -hmm. and they stay miserable and they stay in a place and in a situation that they never should have stayed in, Mm. but they do. But, and and that's the thing I've continued to hear from other people too, is you're, you've been willing to do something being willing to take a jump that other people are not willing to take. And, and I don't say that arrogantly. I, I, I truly believe if I had not had the experiences I've had, if I had not been willing to, if I had not been to the depth I was at, I would not have been willing to make a change, but knowing where I was and knowing that things were not continuing to get better. If I didn't do something, i would would slip right back into those holes again um so that's where i truly believe it was nothing but a god thing that that job opportunity came um and not that things are perfect like i said i still slip into those moments but um day in and day out it's it's been life-changing being Hmm. willing to do something different um it's been a huge career change for me i mean I, i work mostly from home now and that's so different. Right. So different. never being
0: home. <laughs> From never
1: being home and never being a dad and never mm. being a husband. To I haven't missed one of my kids' activities yet.
0: Mm. And I
1: missed the majority of them before. Yeah. Uh and, and I don't say that disparagingly because administrators across the country make it work. And, and I'm I'm so proud of those that can make it work. Um I wasn't able to continue doing that. And so for those that can, keep on going, uh, keep on finding a way. But I, I would also encourage those that are not well don't don't continue mm-hmm. don't don't continue to put yourself in a situation where you're not well um, because you're more important than that and and we spend in education we spend so much time loving other people's kids which is a great thing i think it's wonderful but at some point you have to be willing to stop and 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 not only love your own kids um, but also it, it, it sounds selfish but be willing to to love yourself because if you're not good for yourself you're not going to be good for anybody else. And, and I knew there was going to come a point, Susie, that I was no longer good for those around me mm-hmm. and I needed to do something different to get away from that.
0: Well, it's that analogy of the airplane oxygen. Mm-hmm. And when that yep. you know, you've got to put your own on before you can help somebody yeah. else put their own on. And if yeah. you are in such a bad place, which you obviously were, dealing with some pretty significant mental illness. Yeah. How could you have helped anyone around you?
1: There there's a, there's a time that I thought as a as a Christian, it's wrong of me to consider myself. Mm. It's wrong of me to to do anything but just keep giving 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 because that that's what a good Christian will mm. do. What I'm learning though is to a degree, yes, as, as a Christian, I'm, I'm called to serve and give. But at the same time, Jesus was willing to take time to make sure he was in a good right. place and not afraid to step away at times. Yep. Not afraid to step away and say, I need some time in the desert. Yep. <laughs> I need some time to get away and make sure we're in a good place. And then we're going to go back and find another way. And even with that, I think about education. We, we oftentimes think that once you're in it, you have to stay in it. I don't, I don't believe that anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: believe, and the older I get, just turned 40, that you can have multiple careers in your life you bet. and that's okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I
1: just think that once you're in education, you better stay there your entire life. I don't, mm. I don't think that has to be the case. I, I, I have, I think it's great when people are willing to change it up and do something different. Um, you have a podcast on your run. You're a podcast host, Susie. Mm-hmm. would um, have thought
0: Who'd <laughs> have thought, but
1: like being willing to, to, to change things. And All like, right. and like other careers, you, you spend a good amount of time. You you give your best and you're on the front lines. Uh, I had an uncle to say, you spent 17 years on the front lines in battle. It's time to step back for yeah. a little bit and do something different. Still, still in the same, um, still in the same field, still helping kids, still, still serving schools and communities, but through a different way. And, and, uh, and I, I know that when they're, when something's, in front of me to to change course again, I'll be ready to change course again. Um, and so I'm proud of the 17 years I spent in education. Truly am. Uh, I know I did some really good work for for kids and for a lot of families out there. Um, but there came a time to, to um, recognize the depth I was at and not be afraid to change. And um, I don't know where I'd be if I continued. Mm. Um, I know I would not be, I would not be, sharing my story because a, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know where things would be at if I continued, but I, I do know that being willing to talk about it and be more open about it. um, I think there are some benefits to, to help other people uh, who are going through similar experiences. Um,
0: I obviously agree with that. And I want to go back to something that you said about being willing to make a change. And, I think change is hard for most humans. Maybe I'm just talking about (laughs) myself, (laughs) but change is hard. And I think most of us sort of resist change. We like predictability. We like knowing what's going to happen, et cetera. But being willing to make a change for your mental health is something that applies to anyone, not just someone in education yeah. but in, in any yeah. career field or you know a student at a school. You know, yeah. A big part of Will's healing journey was changing schools. Yeah. And that was huge for him. And he would say the same thing if he were sitting here. Well, and he did say the same yeah. thing. Yeah. If I had stayed where I was, I don't know what would have happened. And so having the courage because it does take courage to Break and yeah. change. To do that, if if listeners get nothing from this episode, which I don't <laughs> believe will be the case, not much. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot here, but if if listeners get nothing but be willing to make a change for your mental health, then I think yeah. that's a huge, huge point to be um, just driven home. It's.
1: It's like you said, it, it, it's, it's hard to be willing to. The, the, the thing that really stuck with me was I know where things are. I know it's not getting any better. And something, something's something got to give because I'm not sure what else I need to change within my current structure. And that's what my therapist actually kind of walked me through. He's like, Trevor, if, if you're doing all you can and things continue to to be difficult then then something has to change because clearly what you're doing is not going to to do it for you. So if you're not willing to make a change there, then, <laughs> then mm-hmm. it's going to continue. Then you're going to continue to have the same same battles and the same struggles. Um and, and that helped me have the courage, having someone else. And that's where I really think had that, that therapist was beneficial was having the courage to say it's okay. It's okay to to step away and do something different. Uh, and I'm grateful I'm grateful yep. to Mike yep and grateful to the influence he was for me
0: and professional help again cannot be underscored yes I feel like I say that every episode yes professional help yeah let's talk about what you're doing now
1: yes
0: and yes. I, I love seeing the big smile on your face that it brings when I say that so tell me a little bit about it what are you doing with kids I' know, what are e-sports? esports for people who don't know man. what esports are?
1: Um, so, so think of think of the kids playing video games. So playing Fortnite, uh, Minecraft, um, Madden Football, FIFA. You you pick the game. You pick the game. Um, so what we do at Generation Esports is we help schools establish competitive gaming teams. So just like you have a school baseball team, football team competitive cheerleading choir whatever it is we help schools establish competitive esports teams and what is so awesome about it is this is a group of kids that have in in my opinion and a lot of data back it up have totally been underserved in schools for a long time these are the kids that don't come out for football they don't play basketball they're not in choir and band but they're gamers mm-hmm. and they're darn good at it And so what we're doing is we're getting into schools and helping them establish a competitive team. And with it, you're seeing these kids that are absolutely coming to life because now school has something for them. Mm -hmm. What once was something they had to go do Mm -hmm. for eight hours a day. Now they get to go to school and they get to be a part of their school's esports team. They get to be a part of a community when they didn't have a community before. And it's so cool to see the schools across the country that we work with. And they don't even have to work with us. Just... Develop a team to see these kids that teachers like. Oh, I had no idea that they were that animator or that excited about life, or they had those leadership capacities mm. because they hadn't been given that opportunity yet. Because schools and, and this part of what I do is they just don't know what esports is all about. They don't they don't realize that you can play competitive Fortnite, wow. and you can go to college on a competitive Fortnite scholarship. And we have kids. They're so funny. So I was in Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, three weeks ago at a principal's conference. And a, a gentleman walked by and I said, hey, are you familiar with esports? He's like, I have no idea what that is. I said, does your school have esports? He goes, no. I said, well, do you have kids that play video games? He goes, oh. He goes, I got a kid that goes to California once a month to play Rocket League. Mm. And I was like, He's, he's probably a professional Rocket uh-huh. League player. who goes, oh, that's what he's doing. Mm. Had no idea that he had a student that's a professional Rocket League player. And so here's a kid that's walking around a school that on a national stage is probably being celebrated. But his own local mm-hmm. school, no one has any idea because it's kind of this like niche thing. But the reality is it's not mm-hmm. like we know 90 percent of our kids play video games, sure. if not more than that. And so it's an it's an entire group of kids that, if given an opportunity, truly kind of come out of the woodwork to be a part of it. Uh, and so that's what I get to do now is I get to help schools build and create teams, uh, establish a, a competitive um, gaming network and a competitive gaming community across the country, give kids college opportunities that never would have had college opportunities before And so not only do we do the game, but we also have an entire curriculum. And so we have two fantastic curriculum writers. Uh, They were both one was a a high school principal for 24 years and one was a high school teacher at an alternative school, um, Dr. Custer and uh, Dr. Russell. And they they write curriculum to help um, help support kids in schools with everything but the actual playing the games themselves. And so we get into things like what is a router and network technologies. We get into things like video game design and PC, your gaming PC creation. And so we want schools that teach kids um, everything about video gaming without the actual playing itself. And so Mm -hmm. you can have a competitive team, but we're also going to teach you all the technical aspects of esports. Wow. But with that, and the part that really won me over to it was a big part of our curriculum. And actually, we've we've worked with a a doctor that's out of Kansas City here, Dr. Chris Jensen, uh, who works and still is in the community here. Um, But we created what we call mental health moments. Mm -hmm. And so it is mental health resources built into the curriculum. And why that is so important is we also know not only do we have a lot of kids playing games, but we have a lot of kids that are hurting who are also playing games, Mm -hmm. who go to things like Twitch and Discord to learn how to cope. And so, we have to be willing to intentionally put supports into our curriculum to help give these kids purpose and meaning. So, the things that are in these mental health moments are how to combat toxicity and gameplay, how to combat um, your self esteem struggles within, how to talk to someone when you are having um, mental health turmoil, when you are in Christ, who do you talk to and what do you do in those moments and through that? And so, what we found is when kids have. A group of people they trust and care for, which is oftentimes that esports group, and you're willing to actually talk openly about the struggles kids are having. They're willing to talk. Yes. If they feel like they're in a trusted and with a group of people that care about them authentically, and a lot of times those kids in those esports clubs, that's their tribe. Like that's their group. Sure. They have other people to talk to with a caring adult. You're you're going to save lives, mm. and I truly believe. And we have examples of kids who. Who are on the verge of not only just depressive states, suicidal ideation, who are now coming out of that now leaders in clubs. They're leaders in their school. They're going to college because they have purpose. Mm. Um, and that can happen. It can happen in football teams. It can happen sure. in basketball teams, too. But we have those. Those are established. Right. We have great coaches and programs for football. I mean...
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just
1: you, if you listen to recent episodes, you, you've heard other yeah. people talk about that. Right. Um, but we don't have that in esports right. yet because it hasn't been fully embraced. And that's mm. what we're really trying to do, generation esports, is help, help kids find that purpose, help schools see how they can do it and how they can create these programs for kids.
0: That is incredible because you're so right. And I think often as parents... We think, well, you know, we're not supposed to have too much screen time and, and, you know, our kids are playing way too many video games. And I think we, we hear the, the downside yep. of the video games, not all the things that you just said.
1: I was not a fan. My my parents pretty well, I was convinced I was going to go to hell if I played video games. Like it was not something that we, we, we didn't have game systems in our house mm-hmm. for a long time. I had to go to the Whedon's house to play <laughs> video games. Or I had to go to the Snuck folks out. house. Like that's how yeah. I went to play video games because we didn't have them. Sure. When I got older, we had a few, but not much. Yeah. Um, and so I had all the wrong ideas about video mm. games. But part of what also kind of helped me realize it was i I looked at my my close friend who took his life he in a lot of ways was addicted to video games Mm. and he he was deeply entrenched in some of those places and some of the dark places and i really believe that if we're able to get in schools and help kids recognize the kind of some of those those i'm getting into deep you're gonna be able to save some kids too
0: so that's part of the curriculum. that's
1: part of it wow. is, is helping helping kids recognize what is what is good screen time? what is bad screen mm-hmm. time? When have you had too much? When is it addictive? Mm-hmm. Because it can be addictive? Sure. Um, it's designed to be. The manufacturers know that <laughs> sure. they know uh, if you talk to any gamer, I mean they'll they'll talk about those long nights they spent because this continue to play. But with that, we're not educating kids on how to be aware of that. We're not educating kids on the dangers. We say, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't play video games. But the reality is they're going to. Sure. So let's be willing to embrace and teach them how to do it appropriately mm. through that. And let's normalize it in such a way at school that they don't feel like they have to do it in the darkness of night. Mm. Let's give them that outlet at school to be a part of that community as opposed to feeling like they only do it. And then they're doing it in in and with who knows who in the middle of the right. night. So you bring it to that safe environment. You have them playing with like peers. You have yes. them playing in the structure of a school setting. Um, and it allows kids to do the things they love to do because they love to play. Right. Um, but it allows them to do it in a more safe, structured way in place.
0: This is amazing. I'm I'm thinking that this is going to catch on big time. I don't know how many it's schools you're in right now. Thousands, but I,
1: I, Thousands. Yeah. But
0: I actually have a nephew who... I think I told you that he's yeah. uh, got a an esports scholarship in college, so yep. this is a thing.
1: Oh, it, it ain't going anywhere. No, it's only growing, right. absolutely only growing. Um, man, so it, let's it, it, teach him how to do it the right <laughs> way. <laughs> do it the right way,
0: and where to um, belong. And
1: me, this morning, with and they're in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, they are a, a a sports community, so they run um, competitive baseball and volleyball and softball teams. They have a facility that they bring people to. He reached out to us and said, "Hey, I we need we need esports. Apparently. Wow! He's like, what do I need to do to get esports at my facility? So he, as a part mm-hmm. of his organization, not only has golf simulators and uh, on full turf football fields for teams, he also knows he needs to bring in esports as a part of it, not as the only thing, but as a part of it. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear how this continues to.
1: It's, it's growing, expand <laughs> and yeah, and
0: just. I love the part that you said about giving kids a place to belong to. Yep. Every every human being wants to feel like they belong yep. and particularly kids. And so to give kids who maybe in the past have not had a place where they fit in yeah. an opportunity to be part of of something and and a member and even a leader in that yes. is awesome. Yes. And I can't think of anybody better to be a part of that than Trevor. Ah,
1: well, I appreciate that. I'm still learning I get dizzy when I play video games still. <laughs> I can't I can't play Rocket League. I i can't get the car to fly the right way. But that's also something okay. I talk to schools about. I'm like I'm not a I'm not yeah, a hardcore yeah. gamer, uh, but I love kids yeah. and I love seeing kids yeah. have opportunities to excel. And so uh you don't you don't have to know how to play in order to to give kids an opportunity mm. and uh, just because you didn't do it growing up doesn't mean it's not good for kids, and doesn't go. mean you can't be used to benefit kids. So let's be willing to let's be willing to embrace it. Let's be willing to teach through it and with it, as opposed to hide from it, because the kids will do it anyway. Yep, um, we have to be willing to to teach them how to do it safely and appropriately.
0: That's great. This has been an amazing conversation. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your. Openness, your vulnerability, um, your willingness to share the hardest parts of your story, but then also seeing the light yeah. where you're, that I'm seeing in you right now. And I know that that doesn't mean doesn't
1: mean the darkness isn't there. That the darkness yep. Isn't,
0: yep. isn't there, but that um, you are moving forward. And you made the changes that you needed yeah. to make. And you're getting the help that you need um, to be healthy yeah. and to be... There's hope. Yes, there's, there,
1: there's hope. There are some times where it didn't feel like there was, there was any hope. Mm. That w- when you're in a place of it's not going to change, yeah. that's when it's the worst. And that, that's where I want other people, whatever stage someone is in their life, whether whatever it doesn't matter what job you are, but if you're in a place that you feel like there's no hope... Mm. That's when you know you've, you've got to do something different. You've got to do something different. Um, And I, and I, I, I truly credit my just close, close friends, my, my church family, my relationship with God um, and my wife, once I've been willing to be honest with her, (laughs) Mm. how much better things are. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you again, Trevor, for sharing your hopeful story that you are not alone and there is hope. Yep and for sharing that with us on this episode of Just a Mom. All
1: right. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. see you smile again take away that pain in them clouds I keep covering up the sun if you found this podcast helpful please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts also please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful thanks again for listening to just a mom